Good afternoon and welcome into the Inside Edge MLB podcast. I am your host, Daniel Conway, alongside Colin Anderson. Colin, hello. Hello. And we are back for another preview podcast, this time the AL West. I'm getting quite excited about this division, Colin. I, I you know, hate to say it, but I think the, the central divisions weren't my favorite. They're a bit of a slog for me when it comes to the performance of play. It seems like the same same characters, same teams year in and year out, but the West, maybe we can call it the wild, wild West, uh, because I think uh, this division might be a bit more open uh, here. The, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think obviously an upgrade over the Centrals. We'll, uh, we'll have to get into it here, but there's definitely a number of number of teams that can make a run here. Yeah, and some interesting projected totals. I'd say a lot of them are quite high, except for one team, sorry, Oakland A's, but uh, we should have a competitive division, and let's start off with the Seattle Mariners, who finished last year at 90-72. and 72. They did make the playoffs, and they were able to beat the Blue Jays in that new uh, wildcard three-game series. Uh, their projected win total this year is over under 86.5. They added Colton Wong. They added Teoscar Hernandez, a trade that I think you and I both like, AJ Pollock, Tommy Lastella, and Trevor Gott. They did subtract Adam Frazier, Carlos Santana, and Mitch Hanniger. Overall, what are your thoughts on the Seattle Mariners? Yeah, I uh, I like the Mariners. I think I like what they did this offseason. Um, just looking at the additions, Colton Wong, uh, they have him slated at the top of the lineup. He kind of saw an offensive breakout his last two years in Milwaukee, combined with 29 homers, and you saw his ISO um, in Milwaukee was 177 compared to 127 in St. Louis his first seven years, so... So he definitely found a little extra gear there, and hopefully he can continue that. And then uh, Teoscar, you mentioned, we both like him. He's really good hitter, questionable in the field, but Very a really good hitter, and he's durable. So that's another good thing for them. Yeah, Teoscar is going to be interesting to see how he thrives uh, in, in Seattle. One thing that he does incredibly well is slug against left-handed pitchers. He slugged 734 over the last two seasons, which is best in the, in the majors. So... Uh, the the righty lefty there you know does he platoon probably not he'll probably get his chance against right handed batters right handed pitchers too but uh, definitely like that if, if he's in the middle of your lineup we'll say there's a bit of swing and miss with with Teoscar and then you get Eugenio Suarez right behind him as well um, are you concerned about the the contact issues or do you think that's just kind of the way baseball's played nowadays yeah I mean I'd prefer them not to be there but but it is kind of the way baseball's played these days and it's it's nice to mix in Ty France in there as well as a high average guy um, but yeah I mean just just moving down the lineup it seems like there's a lot of pieces here I AJ Pollock's another addition we didn't talk about yet uh, he had a down year last year but um, he's still really good against lefties and and he might sort of find himself in a platoon uh, which I think he could excel in and then you mentioned the subtractions with with Frazier, Santana, and Hanniger, and and really um, they won 90 games last year. And Frazier and Santana both had really down years, uh, way below average league hitters. And then Hanniger, who is a good hitter, but but has been dealing with injuries for what seems like forever now. So I I think they definitely added more than they subtracted here. Yeah, I do like the slight improvements they had. Uh, like you you talked about a bit of a platoon split, possibly with Jared Kelnick and AJ Pollock. It might be a match made in heaven. Kelnick has a 228 on base percentage against lefties uh, over the last two seasons, which is the second lowest. 
among uh, kind of a lower average uh, at bats. Not great, but obviously Pollock excels against against those lefties and Kelnick. Uh, been a bit of a disappointment. Obviously came over in the big Edwin Diaz trade a couple of years ago. But I, I think their lineup is pretty solid. J.P. Crawford maybe is kind of a second leadoff down there in the nine hole. Uh, Wong, we didn't talk about their best player, uh, I would say, Colin. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, quite a star. Uh, very much had a great season last year. Uh, signed that massive, massive contract to, to keep him in Seattle for probably his career. But he was just fantastic last year. Yeah, yeah, he was. 5.3 war in, in his rookie year. Uh, which will definitely play. He's he's an electric player, and and I think if he could clean up his strikeouts and and maybe walk a little bit more, you could you could definitely see him turn into one of the next superstars. Yeah, he's already projected for a five WAR this season, which is basically above an All Star level uh, at, at this point. So I, I like their lineup. Cal Raleigh, we didn't really talk about him. Big dumper, as they like to call him. Uh, just a, kind of a solid. Extra base hit bat behind the plate won't do much other than that. Probably strike out a ton, but uh, he's he's quite good back there too. So I love the lineup. Uh, how do we feel about the starting staff? Uh, some upside here for sure. I, I I liked the move they made last year to bring in Castillo. Uh, he proved to be good for them, and then they rewarded him with a little extension, uh, which is fun. And then. Uh, I mean, Robbie Ray has been been solid in the last how many years? He set coming off was it two years ago? Cy Young. Yeah, I will say one thing about Robbie Ray. I think you and I we were watching the game. We we knew it was going to happen when he came in to face Jordan Alvarez. <laughs> we just knew what was going to happen. So yeah, anyway, sometimes continue. when when they try to get cued, it, it backfires. But I, I guess you got to trust your analytics. Yeah. Yeah, so we can talk about that one a little bit later when we get to Alvarez, because he's quite good against lefties. Yeah, and just moving on in the rotation here, I think Castillo, Ray, Gilbert is is a pretty pretty sweet one, two, three. They all uh, pitched a bunch last year, over 160 innings, I think, all three of them. And then and then moving on, George Kirby, uh, he, once a top prospect, had a really solid rookie year. I am a little concerned and. 2019 through 2021, he only threw 90 innings. One was the COVID year, so he didn't pitch at all. But 90 innings for three years, and then last year he threw 160 between AA, AAA, and the majors. So we'll see. I, I'd be interested to see on the, the innings limit they have there, but but his stuff is is really good. So Yeah, so if, if he stays healthy, he's quite good. He's uh, kind of got a bit of an interesting platoon split. He only allowed a 551 OPS against left-handed batters last season, which was the ninth best among starters, and then also he was great with his inside fastball, only allowing a 283 slug. And he was great in the playoffs for, for them uh, early on, I believe, against the Astros, that marathon game uh, that they had. So, yeah, quite, quite a good lineup. I think Luis Castillo, uh, we talked about him going over from Cincinnati to Seattle. That's just a nice kind of glow up going from a massively, massively hitter's park to more of Safeco Field, which was previously... Uh, a pitcher's park. I think it's a bit more neutral now, uh, but he only allowed a 307 uh, slugging percentage on his fastball last season, seventh best. Uh, he's one of my favorite pitchers. I think I'm a big changeup guy. I love you know sweeping, diving changeups. Think of Steven Strasburg. Uh, Luis Castillo has, has something like that as well. Uh, and I'll say it doesn't hurt that Marco Gonzalez, who's kind of an innings eater, slight upside, 
going to get a hit around here and there is your is your number five starter. So I, I like what they got going on here. Yeah, his Marco Gonzalez once once the Seattle A's for three years. Uh, still around. It's yeah, I, I think he's in a better spot now. I'll say that. Agree. <laughs> Moving and, on, the, yeah. and the bullpen, I think a bunch of names back there that probably a lot of people haven't heard of, headlined by, by Andres Munoz. Um, they ranked fifth uh, last year in, according to Bullpen War. So really good bullpen. I like a lot of these pieces. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, he. I was gonna say, just in general, the Mariners won a lot of games because their bullpen last year. Uh, something we we kind of put out in the middle of the year. Uh, they were undefeated when they had a lead going into the eighth inning, or or uh, so. So they were fantastic for a time, and I think they were like forty and one uh, when that was the case uh, at a certain point in the season. So very impressive bullpen. Andres Munoz, I think, is a star in in, in the sense of a a relief star kind of in the mold of Edwin Diaz, or it's a fastball slider combo. He had a 42% miss rate, third best among the qualified relief pitchers. There's a guy that I like. I'm not so sure he'll have the same success he had last year, and that's Paul Sewell. Uh, he had a 176 Babbitt allowed last year. That is incredibly minuscule. And that also came on batters batting 166 on pitches in the strike zone. So a lot of the times, you know, Pitchers give up, you know, a 270 average in the zone and a, you know, 0.066 outside the zone. No, no, no. Sewell was doing fantastically in the zone. So will that keep up this year? I'm not so sure. You know, there might be some regression there, but there's a lot to like. Diego Castillo's great against righties. Matt Brash, instead of being a starting pitcher, is kind of maybe morphed into more of a relief role. He's just going to throw that breaking ball a ton. So uh, who's the guy that kind of st- stands out for you, Colin? Yeah, well, obviously, obviously Munoz is is the headliner here, but I, I like I like Matt Brash too. He fastball slider guy, and and yeah, like you said, a lot of strikeouts on that slider. Yeah, yeah. All right, shall we? Shall we? Uh, I think I feel like we've talked up the Mariners more than I ever thought we were going to. But uh, shall we get over to our over under? Yeah, let's do it. All right, the projected win total is eighty six and a half. I'll start with this one. Mariners over. I mean, I think the way we talked about him, it's hard to take the under. There's a lot to like. There will likely be some regression from certain parts of their lineup. Uh, you can also view Julio Rodriguez, uh, you know, if he remains healthy, is going to be a guy that's going to build up on last year, which was already fantastic here. Like you said, a 5.3 war season. So love what they did. Love the additions. And I think there's really a good chance the Mariners make the playoff two years in a row. Yeah, I'll join you on the over. Um, 86 and a half. They won 90 last year. I think both of us think they got better, um, along with, you know, Julio and Crawford and Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, all g- gaining that experience. So hopefully that leads to, to even more wins. Yeah, not much more to say. Go Mariners, I guess. <laughs> also, I think we're in the Mariners. Yeah. They uh, don't play the Astros 19 times. That's right. We did talk about that well, a lot. Only. So. Is it 13, 12, or 13? Something like that. So Yeah. yeah they've historically a, really struggled against the Mariners, or against the Astros. Yeah, it will be interesting to see the differences in uh, win-loss records uh, with less less play within their own uh, division. All right, well, let's move on to another team that made some uh, massive changes uh, really two years ago and then this uh, past postseason, and that is the Texas Rangers. They were a disappointing 68-94. I think a lot of... Uh, 
players, players, teams, fans might have thought the Rangers were going to do a lot better last year with the signings of Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. They also signed John Gray last offseason, but really a, a struggle of a year, to say the least. This year, they go out, they sign the big dog, Jacob deGrom, to a, a massive, massive deal. They also signed Nathan Eovaldi, who's had quite some success recently. How do we feel, Colin, about the Texas Rangers? You know, I'm a, I'm a little skeptical still. Uh, obviously, the DeGrom signing, I love it. Um, however, he is 35 years old now and hasn't thrown more than 100 innings in four years. So, so we'll see. Hopefully, he can stay healthy because he's probably the most fun pitcher to watch when he is healthy. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I don't love their lineup. Um, they didn't really do much to improve it, given they didn't lose anything. But but Robbie Grossman as as the headline uh, offseason move of the lineup doesn't do much for me. He was pretty bad last year, and and dating back to his Twins days, I I remember him being terrible as a left-handed hitter. And that reigned true last year. He had a 48 WRC plus as a left-handed hitter. So yeah, but it's good against left-handed pitchers. 394 OBP over the last three seasons. That's the that's one thing. Yeah, that's one. Shining thing for, for Grossman against uh, left-handed pitchers. Unfortunately, there's more right-handed pitchers than left-handed I would, pitchers. I was going to say, the one downside to that is... <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of want to echo your sentiment. I, I mean, I, I think Marcus Semyon and Corey Seager are great headliners to any lineup. And then you have Nate Lowe behind, who had a great year. Continues to be a good you know, kind of pickup. That was a trade with the Rays a, a while back. I just see a lot of swing and miss in, in this lineup. Uh Grossman uh, excluded there, but just so much swing and miss. And if not swing and miss, Seager just loves to swing quickly, early, 52% swing rate on the first pitch, which is the highest in major leagues. Josh Jung, who's one of their top prospects, had a 39-4 to strikeout-to-walk rate in the last uh, 26 games he played. So a lot of times when you see prospects come up that have a bit of swing and miss in their game, they're going to swing and miss, right? So he's got to kind of get that under control. He's got a lot of upside, a lot of pop. You know, is that going to be something that, that he'll succeed in, in in that mark? But uh, I don't know if they're going to string innings together. Are they going to be kind of like a, a solo homer or a two-run homer type of team here and there and hope the pitching holds up? I'm not exactly sure I see the, um, the path to victories uh, outside of maybe Jacob deGrom starts. But you also said, you know, is he going to be healthy the whole year? And uh, that'll be interesting. Is there anyone that you uh, you really like in the lineup that we and we I know we talked about it, you don't love it, but is there the guy one guy that you just really want to see perform well or think will perform well? Yeah, um, I mean I really like their one through three as well. Uh, Lowe's been really good since he got over there. Um, I like his his profile: more walk, less strikeout, uh, and that's good in that lineup. You said they a lot of these guys tend to strike out a lot. Um, but I do have some concerns about other, like Marcus Simeon, his power numbers dropped, obviously, following his, what, 45 homers in, in 2021. Um, but he also had his lowest walk rate uh, since 2015. Seager, career low batting average and on base percentage last year. Um, however, he's still at a 4.5 war, so he's still good, but, but those are not what you want to see. Um, maybe the shift will help that. 
Um, and then you mentioned Jung. I had the same numbers, just in different forms. But 26 games last year, 3.9% mm-hmm. walk rate and 38.2% K rate, which is just pretty horrible. Obviously, small sample, but it is right. concerning to see your top prospect come up and do that. He, he was top 30 pretty much everywhere um, globally, and then now he's kind of in that later back half hundred range. So there's definitely other people concerned as well. Yeah, there's there's risk in, in his profile. I think a team we're going to get to in a little bit. The Angels have the same issue with Joe Adele, right? Super duper big upside. You've seen the pop in the minors. You see the numbers and you say, oh, I just can't wait till he puts it all together. And unfortunately, some guys don't put it together. It's not what we're saying here, but it's always just a concern, especially with the swing and miss guys uh, at lower levels. Uh, all right, let's move on to that starting rotation that we talked about a lot. Another addition we didn't bring up before was Andrew Heaney in the starting rotation, but their one through five will look probably look like Jacob DeGrom, Martin Perez, John Gray, Nathan Eovaldi, Andrew Heaney. Other than DeGrom, who's someone you really like in this in this top five? Um, I like John Gray. Uh, he's been kind of Mr. Consistent. Um, he's going to give you that high three ERA and a lot of innings, but... But I, again, I mean, I like what they did. The rotation was definitely the biggest downfall last year outside of Martin Perez. But, uh, but again, you know, it's, is Martin Perez good? I don't know. I think he's okay. I've had concerns. He did throw his, he changed his makeup a little bit. He threw a career high 28% changeups last year. So maybe that unlocked something, less cutters. Um, but, it's definitely an upgraded rotation. I, I like the DeGrom, Ivaldi, Heaney, great depth. But again, concerns. I think youngest guy here is 32 out of all five of them. So aging and questions. But but I think it has potential. Yeah, I think one thing that is concerning is the, is the health of, of this rotation. Uh, very funny you brought Martin Perez. I feel like a couple of years back he started throwing his cutter, and that's when he had a lot of success. And now he's going away from it, throwing a different pitch and having success again. So he, he's an interesting pitcher, um, finding kind of new ways to reinvent himself. Um, we didn't talk too much about DeGrom. I know I said someone other than DeGrom. One thing I want to note about him, he's projected, based on Zips, to have a 2.36 FIP, but only a 3.0 war. And that's because of the projected innings he's going to throw is, you know, in the low hundreds. So uh, Zips likes to kind of build in some, some injury risk there. Um, I'm concerned about the health. Uh, John Gray is interesting, definitely like a, a fun pitcher that needed to get out of Colorado, I would say. Uh, he's been great with the slider uh, last season. Batters just hit 156 against it, which is seventh best uh, among starting pitchers. Uh, as for their bullpen, I just think it's a bunch of dudes. I don't necessarily know. I mean, Jose Leclerc is pretty good back there, but, uh, you know, I think we've talked about it before. We would love to project bullpens better than they are, but it's hard because there's just kind of some luck involved in a you know in a three out uh, you know outing or, or a one inning outing for some of these guys. Yeah, I don't I don't see much back there. I know their bullpen struggled last year. Even Leclerc finally got healthy, and he really wasn't uh, anything good. The the one guy I do like back there is Brock Burke. Berkey, I don't know how mm-hmm. to pronounce it, I guess, but but he's a you know nice lefty, throws hard. Uh, he played well last year, I think. Um, kind of the only guy that projects as a, a difference maker back there for me. 
Yep. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, they're, I think they're the opposite of the, the Mariners' bullpen in a way where Mariners won a lot of games because they're bullpen. I think the Rangers lost a lot of games because they're bullpen. That's likely why their record was 68-94. Um, their win total, projected win total here over-under is 81.5, so a massive jump, obviously for good reasons, picking up DeGrom as well as some other uh, pitchers to kind of round out that starting staff. Colin, over-under 81.5 for the Texas Rangers. Yeah, I'm going to take the under. Um, kind of ragged them in a little bit, but I, they will win more than 68 games, assuming <laughs> everything doesn't go wrong. But but I don't I don't like the depth of their lineup very much, and, and the the bullpen concerns me, along with with uh, I guess aging health of the of the rotation. So we'll see. I'll take the over. Uh, Corey Seager MVP season. What do you think? All right. Yeah, I like Corey Seager. I like Corey Seager a lot. He's fun. He swings a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if, if that uh, bites me in the butt. But uh, we'll see. Uh, I don't know. Semyon's a year older. I'm talking myself out of it already. Let's just move on before I before I change my, my mind. Right. Uh, the next team on the in the AL West that we'll talk about, and possibly one of my favorite teams to watch for very good reason, and I'm sure people listening will feel the same way, that is the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, or just the Angels for short. They finished last year with a 73-89 and record. They have the two best players on earth, I think. Would you say that's correct, Colin? In your eyes, for sure. Oh, oh you feel well, you know, hold out for Byron Buxton? No, I'm kidding. I'm uh, kidding. They're definitely <laughs> definitely the best one-two punch in baseball. Yeah, and of course we're talking about Taylor Ward and Anthony Rendon. Uh, no, that is Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Uh, very obvious. The Angels made some moves. Uh, you can argue they're good, bad, ugly. Uh, they lost Archie Bradley and Michael Lorenzen. I would say not that much in, in that regard. They added Hunter Renfro, Brandon Drury after a career year. Gio Rochella, Tyler Anderson after a career year, Carlos Estevez, and then Matt Moore. Colin, I'm not even going to ask about the over-under. Does this Angels team make the playoffs? Yes. Really? Oh, okay. Exciting. I, uh, I like what they did a lot here. And, you know, I mean, I think the biggest question is if you can keep Trout healthy. Right. Uh, you need Trout and Otani to, to be healthy the whole year. But uh, I like Hunter Renfro a lot. I think um, this lineup needed some depth, and he was a big piece of that Brewers team late, last uh, last year, and he's been pretty good for a few years now. Um, Brandon Drury had a big-time resurgence last year. He hit 28 homers kind of out of nowhere. Uh, gives a lot of flexibility with, with positional-wise, uh, and then... Yeah, as far as the the rest of the lineup, I think Taylor Ward is really good. He uh, uh, really good might be a stretch, but he was really good last year. <laughs> yes, he broke out uh, a bit last year offensively. Three sixty OBP, one thirty seven WRC plus. So I, I like him at the top of the lineup. Um, a lot of a lot of I've heard a lot of smart people saying they like Taylor Ward too. So I'll just jump on board. Um, but yeah, I, I like this team. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just waiting to see what goes wrong, right? I mean, you, 
the two best players on the planet with Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, and something always seems to be going wrong for them. Uh, whether it's just you know their seven through nine hitters can't you know hit a lick, or or Trout gets injured, whatever it might be. So I'd love it if this is the year that they put everything together. Uh, their lineup is interesting. You know, if it'll probably go Ward, Trout, Otani, uh, Rendon is another piece. Anthony Rendon, that if he stays healthy, can you know he's quite a good hitter with the Nationals for his career. If he can kind of have a bit of a resurgence, that really bolsters that top four. A ton, and then you get Renfro Drury. The concern for me is is maybe buying high on Drury after a, a career year. Uh, they did something very similar. Oh, that sounds a long time ago. Was it Zach Cozart with the Cincinnati Reds mm-hmm. uh, a while back? And, and you know he was kind of injury riddled. Never was able really see, was never was able to see the field again for the most part. So uh, that's just a kind of buyer's remorse from previous years for the Angels that uh, I'd be concerned about. And then hopefully. Someone that we both like, Colin, that we want to see play a little bit better this year is Jared Walsh. Uh, Walsh kind of struggled last year. Yeah, he definitely he definitely did he, really well in 2021, really bad in 2022. So we'll see. He did uh, did put 50% of his balls in play to the right side. So we've talked about it a lot, but hopefully he benefits from the shift. Um, uh, just a few other notes on guys. I mean, we don't really have to talk about Trout and Otani, but Trout had... 40 homers last year in 119 games. I'm not sure people realize that. 347 ISO and league average ISO is 140. So 347, uh, about 2.5 times league average there. Wow. It, it's it's tough because Trout obviously put up and has put up MVP campaigns in like two thirds of a season before. Uh, Aaron Judge's gear was otherworldly, but it would have been very fun to watch Trout, a healthy Trout, for 162 games against a healthy Judge. Uh, last year, uh, and and Otani in that mix as well, obviously, uh, with his his being able to I don't know be an ace, be, be a top five pitcher in baseball, but uh, another number on Trout, something I've always loved. If you like our Twitter, I will always be tweeting out things about Mike Trout and how he does well against non fastballs and low non fastballs. He slugged 713 against non-fastball. So we're talking change-ups, sliders, curves, uh, knuckleballs, if you you know split fingers, all that stuff. So he slugged seven, or, yeah, 711. I think I said 717 before, but 711 uh, last season. And he is an OPS of 1.013 over the last three seasons. Granted, his plate appearances are pretty down, but that is the best in baseball. The only other person over a thousand is Aaron Judge. So. Mike Trout is so good. So, so good. I hope we see a full season of him this year. Yeah, the, the last last guy in the lineup I wanted to talk about was the their new catcher, Logan Ohop. Mm-hmm. Another name that I probably should have looked up how to pronounce, but I'll go with that for now. Um, he came over in the Mars trade last year from Philly. That's right. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's a really good hitting prospect for, in the catcher position we'll see in the defense, but... Baseball America has him at 42 in their top 100 prospects, so um, I, I'm i interested to see what he does as well. Yeah, that's a pretty nice trade, Kevin, that JT Realmuto's, you know, the catcher in Philly. Uh, kind of a tough path for O-Hop here, but hopefully they'll get a chance. All right, let's move over to the starting staff then. Uh, I didn't talk about him yet because I will want to talk about him now, and that Shohei Otani is going to be the ace of the staff. Behind him will be Tyler Anderson, Patrick Sandoval, Jose Suarez, and Reed Detmers. 
How do we feel about the starting staff? I I don't mind it. Um, something I just realized: Jose Suarez is a lefty, right? I believe so. Yes. So they have four lefties. I guess so. Yeah, and then Otani. Yeah, right. I, I didn't uh, didn't put that together, but that's interesting. Um, Tyler Anderson, he's coming off the best year of his career. Another one they they might have bought high on, which again don't love, but obviously there will be some regression. I still think he'll be a fine piece of the rotation. Uh, and then I do like two of the guys in the back half here. Patrick Sandoval, um, he's been solid. He only throws 37% fastballs. Um, so basically just throws a change to righties and sliders to lefties and says, good luck. I think I think he'll be a, a solid pitcher this year, probably their, their second best starter. Um, and then uh, I like Reed Detmers too. He's sort of a, a highly regarded guy. I've, I've heard he's added velocity. Um, so if he can get up in that 95, 96 range, that would be uh, definitely an added bonus. He had five strikeouts in two innings the other day in, in spring training, if you're into that stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think I like his stuff a lot. I think his, his strikeouts will come up this year. Yeah, buyer beware on spring training stats. They're always so fun to look at. It's fun to see guys that have, you know, best shape of their life. But uh, it is tough. But it, strikeouts I do like to see strikeouts. added velocity, though. Yeah, so added velocity and strikeouts, I think you can kind of buy into a bit more on the pitching side. Uh, offensively, I, I swear it's a crapshoot more and more. Uh, going back to Patrick Sandoval, absolutely love him. His changeup is great. He's uh, Over the last two seasons, opponents are only hitting 183 on it, which is sixth best among starters. And then I think it's time, Colin, that we talk about the big dog. We talk about Otani. He's so fun when he pitches. He is must-see TV for me. I love watching him pitch. It's very funny to see him pitch and then maybe hit a dinger when he comes up to the plate. But uh, opponents last season only hit 111 against his low non-fastball. So we're talking sliders, splits, uh, curveballs, anything down in the zone there, uh, which was tied for the best in MLB with Garrett Cole. Uh, I believe he started throwing a slider a lot more last season. Um and it was effective, very, very effective. I, I like seeing that split finger more. I think that's his really devastating pitch, but the slider was more effective, and if it's effective, why not throw it more? He also had a 33% strikeout rate, which was second best among qualified starting pitchers last year. I, I mean, you know how I feel about him. It's hard not to feel just just love <laughs> for this player at all times. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's a unicorn out there, you know, I... Obviously, you know, being probably top 10 hitter and pitcher is remarkable. Um, hopefully he stays healthy. I think what this is, Zips hasn't projected 3.5 war as a hitter, 4.1 as a pitcher. Um, so that's, again, ridiculous. There's just not much not much you can say other than he's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I think every once in a while when I see him pitching, I kind of take a step back and be like, People did this in Little League, and then the second they got to 13 years old, they could no longer do what he's doing. And you know, he's doing it, obviously, at the highest level of sport, of baseball. So, yeah, that's uh, he's fun, to say the least. I'll, I'll be very interested, and I hope, I hope, I hope a healthy season for, for the Angels. I think a lot of baseball fans uh, want to see this, this duo in, in the postseason. Uh, one downside to their team, I would say, Colin, is their bullpen. How we feel about them? Yeah, I think this is their their biggest fault. They 
rated as the fifth worst uh, bullpen last year, and they really didn't do much to improve it. Um, they lost Archie Bradley. They added Matt Moore, who I who I do actually uh, not mind. Um, he switched to the bullpen full time last year, kind of ditched his cutter, and started throwing everything two miles an hour harder, and became good. So hopefully uh, that sticks, and and he can help him out. Yeah, velocity helps. And you'll see that a lot with starting pitchers going from starting pitching to relief pitching. Um, but yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what they can do on the back end. I don't have much to add. Carlos Estevez was fine in previous stints. Uh, we'll see how he does uh, in maybe a, a bigger role in the, in the Angels bullpen. All right, Colin, the over-under projected total is the same as the Texas Rangers, 81.5. Given that you said that they're going to make the playoffs, might I guess that you're going to say the over? Yeah, yeah, I'll go over here. I, you don't really have to, but I, I feel like I had to kind of take a side on the Rangers-Angels, um, especially considering the other two teams uh, we both like in this division. But, but yeah, I'll, I'll go over 81. And, and the bold prediction that they'll make the playoffs. Uh, yeah, um, all makes sense. And uh, I think the Angels will also go over. I, I do want to believe that they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to you know do some damage. They're over-under right now is 81.5, like we talked about before. Get me to 88 to 90 wins. Let's sneak into the playoffs. Let's see Oak Trap and Otani just light the world on fire. That is would, something that I would uh, prefer to see. All right, let us move on to the Oakland A's. They are sitting at 60 and 102 last season. Uh, their projected win total is actually right below that, 59.5 wins, so they're Projected basically to lose 100-plus games this year. Con, I think we talked about this a little bit. might be a little bit tough to talk about the Oakland A's. Uh, what, what's, a, what's a bright spot you're, you're looking at in, the, in their lineup or their starting staff? Um, you know, there aren't many. I think they have a, a couple pieces that will be fun to keep tabs on. Uh, starting with their young hitters and Shea Langeliers and J.J. Bidet. Um Langeliers, again, pronunciation, I think that's right, but he came over in the Matt Olson trade, um, kind of projects as defense first with some raw power, uh, pretty highly regarded, so he'll be fun to watch, especially, you know, he's probably got that uh, position everyday catcher on lock, so... He'll be fun. JJ Blade also came over in a in a trade. I was interested that the Marlins kind of gave up on him. I mean, I guess they didn't give up on him. They got AJ Pook back, but after 65 major league games, he did struggle uh, big time. But he was a top five overall pick and top 30, 40 prospect uh, globally. So it'd be interesting to keep an eye on those two and see if they can have any uh, sort of breakout. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Puck, given that he's a relief pitcher that has had injury issues, and trading him for Blade, who is you know, regarded as a, to- a very top prospect, is interesting. It does seem like the Marlins did give up on him, given the return, but maybe it's just a classic disgruntled player needs to, needs to change the scenery. Um, he was bad, uh, to say the least, with the Marlins uh, last year, so maybe it's kind of a there's, a bit, there's still some prospect sheen on him. Um, yeah, I'm, I like Tony Kemp at the top of their lineup. I, I think he's kind of a fun player, as well as Ramon Laureano. And then Seth Brown had a great year last year, especially against elevated fastballs. 
He batted 693 against them, but just don't throw him anything down on the zone. Uh, I said he batted, he slugged a 693 against elevated fastballs, but he only hit 184 on non-fastballs. So good fastballs, not great against anything else. Uh, it's a lot of hitters in baseball. So we'll see if, if he's able to kind of help out on, on the uh, on the off-speed there. Uh, as for their starting staff, Paul Blackburn had a pretty good year last year. Uh, they have a Japanese signing here in Shintaro Fujinami, uh, who's projected for a 3.85 FIP and a 1.0 war. Uh, that'll be interesting to see how he kind of moves over. One guy that I'm really interested in, and that's Ken Waldachuk. He came up last year, kind of struggled to get a 5.4 ERA in his last 30 innings that he pitched, which was the ninth highest among qualified starting pitchers in that time frame. Uh, it's it's tough. I mean, I think we talked about it. They they seem to be on a similar path as the uh, the Washington Nationals, where you hope some of the young guys kind of overperform or perform, you know, steadily better every year. But not much to look at this year. Yeah, just a couple of notes on Fujinami and and another guy coming from the the KBO. I think uh, he he pitched mostly as a reliever. He's mm. twenty years old. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they do end up starting him. I'm curious. They did say his fastball gets up to 99 out of the bullpen. He's kind of just a fastball splitter guy. So um, he'll be fun to watch. And then Drew Ruchinski, uh former former MLB player. He last played in the majors in 2018. Uh, I, I do know his name because he was in the twin system at one point. But uh, he's pitched four straight years in the KBO over 177 innings. So... He's been eating innings over there and pitching well, so we'll see. They gave him, I think it was, was it one year, three million is what they signed him for. So nice little payday for him and, and see if he can uh, stick this time around. Yeah, they also signed Trevor May in their bullpen. Uh, May, I think, is a, is a fan favorite of Twins fans, and he kind of struggled slightly with with the Mets, but he's now with uh, with Oakland here. Actually, was that a, was that a trade or a signing? Is a signing. Signing, okay. Uh, but we'll see if, if Trevor May might kind of get that closer role in the back half of that bullpen. All right, I know we moved past the uh, the A's a bit quick. Apologies to, to all A's fans listening. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, it's a growth year, I would say. Uh, Over-under is 59.5. Colin, over or under? I'll take the under. Me too. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be tough. Once again, it's tough to project over 100 losses, but it's also hard to see over 60 wins here for, for the Oakland A's. So uh, hopefully improvement is on the horizon for them. All right, let's wrap up our podcast with the World Series champs from last year. That is the Houston Astros, who went 106-56. and They had a lot of subtractions. Uh, Justin Erlander... A couple of, um, I guess, rentals from last year, Christian Vasquez and then Trey Mancini. Aled Miss Diaz also is gone, and Yuli Gurriel. And they their only big addition was Jose Abreu. So Jose Abreu, obviously a bit older, but quite the hitter for the Chicago White Sox since he's came, come over from uh, Cuba. How do we feel about the Houston Astros' uh, chances of either repeating, winning the division, whatever it may, might be, Colin? How are we feeling? I feel <clears throat> pretty good about them. You know, we, we, you talked about their subtra- subtractions, obviously the big one. 
Justin Verlander, and then some pretty key depth pieces on the lineup. But just looking at their team, you talked about it yesterday. Uh, just they're still really good. Um, they are one through six hitters, probably the best in baseball. And then, you know, they just continue to pump out guys in, in the pitching staff too. Framer Valdez finished fifth in the Cy Young last year. Christian Javier was really good. Luis Garcia was good. Jose Urquidy was solid. Um, we'll talk about them all more, but yeah, I, I feel good about them. Yeah, yeah, I remember I was. We kind of have a sheet here. We break down the lineups and just you know kind of get some notes here and there for all these guys. And I'm like, oh, I, you know, I think I want to go under on the on this Astros team. And you kind of keep on writing down notes, and you see the players, and you're like, how can I, how can I see under 97 and a half wins here with this team? It's uh, it's quite tough, especially if Jordan Alvarez is going to be one of the top three hitters in baseball again this year. Uh, but that lineup projection that we talked about, it's Altuve, Brantley. Brantley might be a question mark just because of health. Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, Jose Abreu, Kyle Tucker. Uh, I know someone that you and I are both very high on, and that is Kyle Tucker. Why don't you talk about him a little bit? Yeah, I, I've always liked what uh, what he's been about. You know, he came up uh, late in, what was it, 2019, and he struggled. But ever since then, he's he's been pretty pretty electric, especially in the in the six hole. Um, but I don't have a ton on him as far as what uh, what he's been good at. I know you know he's kind of all around. Uh, he has I do have a note that he's been shifted on 93 of his plate appearances since 2021, which is highest in the majors. So um, he's he could be a guy to keep an eye on with that new shift rule too. Yeah, yeah it's, it's hard to hard to see a blemish in that top six. Uh, and then adding Jose Abreu. Abreu has a very fun stat. He's slugging 719 on changeups over the last three seasons, which is best in baseball. It's just a very unique stat because you don't see a lot of changeups. He has 121 at bats that end on a changeup over the last three seasons. So, uh, small sample, very fun, very successful uh, for Abreu uh, against them. Um, is there anyone that, that you don't expect to, to perform well, I guess, in this offensive? Uh, side of the ball other than Martin Maldonado I think everyone knows he's a he's a catch first you know defense first catcher so yeah not uh, not really I think I think Maldonado is definitely just there for defense um Chas McCormick has uh you know kind of one of those guys that they just all of a sudden produce he's been over to war the last two years uh Jeremy Pena is kind of a glove first guy but he was an above average hitter last year um, and then the top six, a uh, few guys I wanted to mention in there was Altuve. I'm not sure how many people realized how good he was last year. Yeah. Um, near career highs in, in ISO slug WRC plus and 6.64. So, you know, he just continues to do it. Michael Brantley kind of Mr. Consistent too, when he's healthy, five straight years of over 120 WRC plus, um, Bregman, not much need to say. Jordan Alvarez, who I sneaky think might be the best pure hitter in baseball. I agree. Um, it's okay. remarkable yeah. how well he hits left-handed pitchers. One of one of the notes I had written down was 63% hard hit rate off lefties, which is best in baseball, and he's a left-handed hitter, which is just unheard of. Yeah, he's like top five in every like left-handed category against left-handed pitchers. Excuse me. Yeah, it's, it's just like, it's mind-blowing. That's why the Robbie Ray decision to bring Robbie Ray in to face him was so frustrating, I think, for, for us as... You know, people watching that game, kind of like looking at the stats. 
right? You just it doesn't matter who's who's facing him. You just yeah, yeah, it's definitely a questionable decision to bring in a guy who had he ever come out of the bullpen before. Uh, if so, not much. And then you yeah. know, it's the classic you know use a starting pitcher because the stuff is going to play up in the bullpen, and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, Alvarez is is fun. I mean, he could have easily won MVP last year if it wasn't for for Judge and obviously Otani just being who they are. Um, yeah, yeah, he definitely has a little disadvantage with with the defensive metrics. Of course, of course, yeah, he's he's kind of labors out there in the the outfield, and we'll see how much he DHs this year. Uh, maybe it'll kind of be a Nabrayo Alvarez split, uh, but who knows? We'll we'll have to see once the uh, the game's get underway here, as we're already into March. All right, why don't we move over to the starting staff? He talked about it a bit. So it's headlined by Framber Valdez, who's just Mr. Ground Ball, uh, I would say, and Christian Javier, who was just about one of the best pitchers in baseball on a per inning basis, and then Urquidy Garcia, and then Hunter Brown. Lance McCullers will likely start the year on the IL. How do we feel about the starting staff? Yeah, I, uh, I feel pretty good about him. Uh... Framer Valdez, I mentioned earlier, was fifth in Cy Young last year. Um, he threw over 200 innings, sub-3 RA, and FIP. Um, doesn't get much better than that. I have one more thing to add on him. Yeah. Over the last two seasons, 68% ground ball rate. Yeah. Highest in baseball, where, obviously. I was going to say, where does that rank? Yeah, yeah high, like 68%. That's like, I'm trying to think of like Zach Britton against his fastball was like in the 80s. Um, and, and against... Uh, Faber Valdez's fastball is 71%. So just mind-blowing numbers. It's hard to get the ball in the air against him, which, guess what? Getting the ball in the air is very important if you're a hitter. So. Yeah, they're number two. Not much worse, Christian Javier. Uh, a little more strikeout-heavy, um, but, again, I think he's a very popular breakout pick. Uh, and then uh, Luis Garcia has been solid. Jose Arquiti, this is his fifth year in the league now. He hasn't had an ERA over four, and that's just a guy you don't even think about. I'm going to be honest, that, that's shocking. I didn't expect that. Yeah. And then uh, I think Hunter Brown has a chance to be really good. People have kind of been comparing him to Justin Verlander. Obviously, lofty comparison, but there's definitely, like, you watch the two pitch, and you definitely can see uh, the similarities pretty pretty visually. But, but then that doesn't even bring up Lance McCullers, who I think – just came down with some arm soreness, which is never good to hear. But, uh, but yeah, I think they have a chance to be pretty good. Yeah, when McCullers is healthy, he's great. It's just that that's the concern is, is the health. But, yeah, it's, it's hard to see the starting staff not be competitive in just about every game. And then if you want to move over to the, the bullpen, the bullpen is probably one of the best in baseball. Again, year after year, it seems like they've got a great bullpen. And that's really headlined by Ryan Presley, who has just been a fantastic addition for them after a trade uh, to the Minnesota Twins. And then you have Montero, Rafael Montero, that is. Brian Abreu, just throwing hard. Neris is a great splitter. Same with Ryan Stanek. And then maybe Will Smith will get some innings too. So how do you feel about this bullpen? Yeah, hard not to feel good. I uh, I had notes down. They ranked as by far the number one bullpen last year. And looking at the additions and subtractions, it's the exact same unit. So... Uh, I would imagine they're going to be really good again. It's it's the Houston Astros, you know. It is. Yeah, they're 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 in the territory. I'd say of like the Los Angeles Dodgers in the sense of like, it doesn't matter what they do, whatever they do is smart. They're going to win. 
So I guess on that note, why don't we move over, over to the projected win totals? And their over-under is 97.5. Colin, over or under? I'm going to take the over. Uh, they won 106 last year. Win total dropped nine games. So all they have to do is win 98. And and that seems more than doable. I know they lost the Cy Young and, and the anchor of their rotation. But we, we highlighted plenty of... Plenty of guys down there that can pick up the slack, and and along with a very good lineup and very good bullpen, I think I think 98 is is definitely in reach. Not so fast, Colin. I'm taking the under. I'm getting wild today. All right. Give me the under. I I don't love it. I don't love it at all. But give me the under. I just want to see someone else. You know, I think I think the Astros are getting to that point of view. Where it's like, oh, it's nice. Like, good for them. They're really really good. They're close to being a dynasty. Can we see another team out of the AL West? That's that's kind of how I feel. I just I just want something different. So that's fair. I'd love to see the I'd love to see the Mariners win the division. Would you? Well, why don't we get over to our projections for for the one through five? And let's start actually at the bottom. We've been starting at the top uh, most times, but let's start at the bottom, just because I think we're going to have a similar bottom. Your number five place team in the AL West this year, Colin. The Oakland A's. I will agree with you. I will also take the Oakland A's. How about your number 14? The Rangers. I think I'll I'll have to do the Rangers too. Yeah. Number three? Angels. Angels as well. Number two? Mariners. Houston Astros. Number one. There you go. Seattle Mariners. One in the ALS this year. You heard it here first. I hope. All right. Oh, boy. I don't feel good about that. But this this should be a fun division. I was really excited to talk about it today with, with you, Colin. It's just there's a lot of very exciting players, a lot of fun moves, an active division. You never know what Jerry Depoto is going to do in Seattle for, you know, for better for the most part. He's really, really made that team uh, quite competitive in a short amount of time with a lot of trades. Uh, anything, any lasting thoughts, I guess, or anything else to kind of note about the AL West? I think this is a fun division too. You know, it's it, it it's always refreshing when you get four good teams, I guess, or the chance to be good teams. Um, obviously, the A's bring up the rear, but I, I think I think there could be some some moves in this division for sure. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll be watching this division quite closely and uh, pay attention to our our Twitter account because I'm sure we'll be tweeting a lot about about what the Angels have done with Trout and Otani, or you know maybe get some Tungsten Armo Doyle tweets in there. Um, for those that are familiar, uh, but hopefully, uh, hopefully we see a lot of success uh, with a lot of the teams and a lot of the moves that these teams made. All right, this has been the Inside Edge MLB podcast. Head over to myinsideedge.com for all information on DFS betting, anything you could ever want for the baseball side. We're continuing to improve the site day after day, so check in often. Uh, you'll see a lot of improvements over there. For Colin Anderson, I am Daniel Conmey. Thank you for listening and have a great week.